Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Thank you, as always, for joining me on this sports podcast. We have a lot to talk about in this week's show. The NFL Draft was last Thursday. I'm joined by my buddy, Anthony Germain. He runs his website, Talking Sunday, where he breaks down the NFL. And had a lot going into this draft, a lot of good draft comments and commentary. We break down all the dominoes that fell in the NFL's virtual draft with Burrow going number one, two out of the Dolphins, lots of offensive tackles, and lots of receivers in the first round. And we hand out our NFL draft grades as well as talk about Roger Goodell and all the virtual setups that we enjoyed. But this is the Money Mitch Effect. Anthony Germain, Mitch Michaels, and it starts right now. All right, 2020 NFL Draft in the books. Money Mitch Effect here with a friend of the show, reoccurring guest. It's been a while, but after much anticipation, deliberation, and uh, some interview requests that went terribly awry, the gruesome twosome is back from Talking Sunday, Anthony Germain. <laughs> on the podcast to break down the NFL Draft, which he's been covering extensively on his Talking Sunday website. Jermaine, what's up, man? Welcome back. Yes, Mitch. Great to be back. It's good to hear your voice again. It's been way too long since I've been on the pod. Um, how are you holding up during during COVID, man? I'm holding up. I'm hanging in there. Obviously, uh, you know, we're just trying to be safe and do our part to kind of remove from society. Uh, so we're all, I mean, I, I talked to you before this, we're doing well and we, and we don't want to make it sound like, you know, it's across the bear. We're, we're just happy we have, you know, football to talk about, obviously. It's a tough time for a lot of people, a lot more so than us. But I'm 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 getting to that. I'm kind of used to this post sports world, and I don't really like that. So to have sports on in any form, even this virtual draft, before it happened, I was like, this is just a breath of fresh air. Yeah, man. the The draft this year was so much different than any other year. I, I you know, with obviously without sports being on, there's nothing to look forward to. And you know, just a week, even a week and a half out, I was like, oh man. The draft's in 10 days, and the next day, I'm like, it's only in nine days. You know, I was like a, like a kid on Christmas, like, waiting for this thing. And when it finally came, it was just a breath of fresh air. Awesome to watch. It actually pulled through really well with all the virtual, you know, aspect of, of the draft. And, uh, yeah, it didn't disappoint, man. No, it didn't. Uh, and I know that – let's just start with this. It was a home run. I mean, it was as good as you could imagine. There wasn't any major technical issues. We got to experience it a different way. Not saying that this is how it should be all the time, but it was a good adaption. The focus was there. It was cool to take a peek behind the curtain to see, you know, who really, you know, how it's working in the league's perspective, the players' perspectives, and also all these teams, how their operation is set up. It was a uh, a slam dunk across the board. So I was pretty excited about it. And as we're getting ready to uh, break down these picks, we'll go through the first round, what we like and didn't. Also talk some team grades, but also want to give a shout-out to everybody that had something to do with the draft because that was awesome. A lot of pressure in the current times, and they did a great job. So with that, we'll go to the NFL draft. It was a fun one, too. And the added environment of not being able to for these teams to see these prospects face-to-face in most circumstances. So the research was different, if a little unconventional. We start with the top of the draft, and the Bengals took Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion, just everything you want to know about Burrow he accomplished last year. It was a phenomenal run, one of the best college football seasons ever. And he is Joe Exotic going to the Bengals and playing with that team. So <laughs> I had to sneak that in there. So... I like Burrow. It was a great story, Anthony. And um, I just wonder, 
Not going to hate this pick. The Bengals address that franchise cornerstone position. I just wonder if in another world, in an alternate reality where there's no pandemic going on, if they might have thought a little bit about taking Tua here. I understand Burrow was the guy, but uh, that was the only thing. I think they were set in stone for a while. It was an obvious pick, not one that I disagree with. But uh, in a different world, maybe Tua thought gets in there. Um. I, you know, I think that the Bengals were going with Boa regardless. I think there was a lot of injury concerns with Tua, and I know that's, you know, to your point of them not being able to, to evaluate these prospects. But I think with Burrow being from Ohio, the hometown kid, you know, it's a great story for the fans. You know, and on top of that, this this kid shattered, you know, college football records in the books. I mean, they can't really – go wrong when selecting Burrow. You know, if he if he mm-hmm. if he pans out to be a bust, whether it's through the Cincinnati system or he's just maybe or maybe he played in a good system at LSU and doesn't, you know, transition to that Cincinnati system. You know, they can't really they can't really kick themselves for that. I mean the guy threw what, uh, was it sixty touchdowns? Yeah. And how and, and over how many yards? I mean they can't go wrong with this pick. You can't really blame them if if you know if it doesn't work out. Yeah, I, and I'm not saying this like I like I dislike the pick or Burrow himself. He he had probably what I consider the greatest quarterback season that we may have ever seen in college football. Uh, it was just so sudden of a rise that you do wonder if maybe they did just simplify it and they were just like, this is the guy. He's the hot hand. He, his accuracy was insane last year. Can he step right mm-hmm. into the Bengals? Can he start week one? I think that's a very realistic, more than likely possibility. Nothing wrong with taking Burrow here. This is the franchise cornerstone pick. It, they had the pole position, and they addressed that need. Uh, two, three, and four in this draft, I kind of lumped this all together, Anthony, because we look at these three picks. There was rumors. There was circulation. Maybe not so much with mm-hmm. Washington at number two. But there were no trades. Nobody moved up. Nobody came up to uh, draft a quarterback in the next tier. Were you surprised by that? It went young, Okuda to the Lions, and then Andrew Thomas, the first tackle from Georgia to the Giants. Anything shocking about the lack of mobility for picks two through four, no trades? Yeah, and that was really the theme of this tri- of this uh, draft, Mitch. It was, you know, heading into the draft, you heard all these rumors of all these teams that are, you know, going to be aggressive and moving up. Atlanta Falcons being one of them. Um, the GM from the Falcons, uh, Demetrius, was, Thomas Dimitro, mm-hmm. Dimitris, um, you know, the most aggressive team to move up and possibly get Chase Young with the Redskins or Jeff Okuda with the Lions. But, uh, yeah, none of that happened. The draft pretty much stuck to the script. Um, so the only thing I'm surprised about are those top three out of the Redskins, Giants, and Lions. I would say the Giants selecting Andrew Thomas as the first offensive tackle is interesting. It's not so much shocking because he's a really great prospect, but – I'm pretty sure the odds on favor were Jedrick Wills from Alabama to go to the Giants. So that one might have been, you know, out of those three, just just the, sh- the most shocking of all. Yeah, Wirfs was up there too, who also fell the lo- the longest and went to uh, 14 to Tampa Bay. But if I'm uh, 13 or 14, if I'm looking at this list now, I just want to say Young obviously was a stud, the best prospect on a lot of boards, all positioned, and Washington. <clears throat> we can get into their full draft later, but they. You know, they the, the jury's still out on Haskins. They brought in Kyle Allen. They weren't going to address quarterback now. You want to build a team, you know, with the prospects, with the best talent. See what you have at some of these other positions. So I think that was a slam dunk. And I know I'm biased, but I think Okuda could be as good as any corner that's come out of Ohio State. And they've had six in the last, you know, six corners in the last, like, five drafts. I think he really mm-hmm. is that special. 
And for the Lions, I just don't think they got the offer, the, the godfather offer, that it would have taken to move. So I understand their defense was terrible. The Giants thing, I mean, they're in a tough position because a lot of teams needed tackles. It was a tackle deep draft, and they had to be the one that picks first. The only thing, and, I, and I've heard some people say this, but that defense was awful last year. So I don't know if this was the number one need or just a need that they felt like they had to prioritize given that tackle is a pretty important position in football. Well, I think they had to prioritize it because when you look back on last season, Daniel Jones and Saquon Bar- Barkley both missed time you know, due to injury. So I think the number one priority was to you know, keep Daniel Jones on his feet and to open up more running lanes for Saquon. Because if you remember, before Saquon went down, he actually struggled a little bit to get going from you know, what we expected after his rookie season. Yeah, and for all the people, and I agree, I just think there was that school of thought of offense versus defense. What's the bigger need, O-line or defense? And look what they did in the second round. They got a, a big steal there. Uh, more on them a little bit later, but 5-6 was where the QBs were taken. We thought it'd be these teams. We we weren't quite sure they would just stand pat and take whoever they did. The Dolphins took Tua, maybe setting the record for most smoke, smoke screens in a single draft by a team. They actually do take Tua. And then the Chargers take uh-huh. Herbert. The Chargers take Herbert, Anthony, when it comes out today that they uh, they basically admitted and said we were going to take whoever was available. So Tua's five, Herbert six. I'll just put it on record at the risk of my reputation, whatever little one I have. I'm, I'm a believer of Tua. I think he's special. Herbert, not so much. He could win me over. Oh, wow. I'm just not there yet. But you assess these picks for me. What do you got What do you got on the Dolphins and Chargers at the five, six spots taking QBs? So the Dolphins taking Tua doesn't surprise me at all. I kind of had a feeling they were going to do that the whole time, whether they traded back and got him from the fear of his injuries and maybe slipping through the draft and, you know, using their other, all that ammunition they had in the draft to go up and, you know, get him again by getting, trading some of those assets. So that doesn't really surprise me at all. Herbert, on the other hand, I can't quite figure out the Chargers because in my head, when you think about the Chargers, they have the pieces on offense and defense to be a Super Bowl team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the defense is stout. <clears throat> they, they had a lot of injuries last year, and I think that's what put them back. But the defense is stout. The only thing they really needed was a left tackle because they signed right tackle Ryan, uh, Brian Beluga from Green Bay. So why didn't they just draft a left tackle and then go into – free agency and find Cam Newton. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you have a, you have a, you have a strong running game. Now you have a quarterback with experience who's been to the Super Bowl already before. The only thing that I can come up with is that his shoulder is still really injured. A lot of people think that his ankle is the problem, but I really believe it's his shoulder because I read a report when he first suffered his injury two years ago, <clears throat> when he couldn't throw the ball past 10 yards, that he suffered the same shoulder injury as Andrew Luck and Drew Brees had. Mm-hmm. So if the shoulder thing is a real concern, that I understand. But like the media keeps saying, his ankle, his ankle, his ankle. I don't understand the Cam Newton, you know, well, shape that they throw on. Yeah, I mean, I would just say that it's definitely injury-related. Whatever it is, that's probably the reason he's not signed. That's why teams aren't jumping over themselves. They don't. I mean, Carolina basically said his tenure was ending there, that they don't know what to expect from him just from an availability standpoint. Either way, if you take mm-hmm. a quarterback at six instead of a tackled, which was a big need for them, you're you're not really saying we're ready to contend right away because these guys do need to exactly. learn a little bit. So that's where I'm at, and I don't dislike Herbert. I'm not going to call bust like I, I have in the past for some of these quarterbacks that have gone high. I'm just I'm kind of like you where I just haven't seen it all. 
Like, it looks like it should mm-hmm. work. It's like a movie actor. It looks like all the parts are there, but he hasn't fully delivered. I do think it's probably going to take some time. But if anything else, they stayed pat and didn't give up anything. So they stayed at six. They didn't mm-hmm. make a move to get him. Uh, I don't know how much of the Herbert or Tua they're fine with. Uh, either way, is truth or not, but they're going to say that after the fact. But the Chargers taking a QB at six was was about to be expected because they had that they had that need for somebody to uh, step in. If it wasn't going to be signing Cam Newton, it was Justin Herbert, who, who was the third quarterback Drake taking yeah. sticks overall. Yeah, and let me just say this about Herbert. I like Herbert actually. I don't think he's ready to step in and you know, make an immediate impact, and that's fine because they have Tyrod Taylor and he can learn, and, you know, maybe midseason we'll see Herbert in there. He kind of reminds me of Matt Ryan. Um, uh, yeah, I don't – for some reason when Matt Ryan came into the league and, you know, first started, I have a feeling that Justin Herbert's going to kind of have the same traje- trajectory from, you know, a growing, growing perspective. Um, but, again, just this team is ready to win now, and it's like they're submitting to – you know, here's our rookie quarterback and we're willing to go through the bumps and bruises, you know, that come along with a rookie quarterback. That's just, you know, I mean, for the future, long-term, it's great. But like I said, ready to win now, I, I would I would have won Cam Newton. You know, the only quarterback-heavy t- team or, or team I thought might have gone quarterback was that nine-pick Jacksonville. They don't trade. They take C.J. Henderson a corner out of Florida, which I think there is – he's a good prospect. There's a noticeable drop-off between him mm-hmm. and Okuda. They've got just Minshew, and will they be a landing spot for Cam, whatever? It just seems like more and more case they're just going to tank for Trevor Lawrence next year. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but they don't seem like they're addressing needs to win now. Right, and that's actually – I wrote about this on my website. Um, I'm firmly – I mean, even after this draft, you can tell. They are 1,000% <laughs> in for a tanking thing and going towards the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. Without a question – I mean, C.J. Henderson, uh, not a bad pick, and, you know, might actually – he could turn out – not saying he is, but he could turn out to be a better corner than Jeff Okuda, but – because I think C.J. Henderson was injured last season, right? He was – he had erratic play. I know he was hampered. I think he played most of the games, but, yeah, there, there wasn't as much good tape on him. Um, no, I you're right. I, I just – it doesn't look like they're trying to win now. So C.J. Henderson, you know, I've, I've heard and read that some GMs like him better than Akuna and whatnot, so maybe Jacksonville is one of those teams. And selecting him there, that's fine. I think it's a little bit of a reach at nine when maybe they could have traded back a few spots. Um, but, you know, out of seven, eight, and nine with the Panthers, Cardinals, Jaguars, my favorite pick of mm-hmm. the top ten, the top ten in the draft besides your Browns, which we'll get to shortly, yeah. was Derek Brown. This guy okay. is interesting. That's not who I. That's not who I thought you were going to say. Oh my God! Absolute um, disruptor in the middle there, and I think that's a great pick for a team, uh, the Carolina Panthers, that are you know got it the whole front office, got it the whole coaching staff, got it the whole defense. It's a great way for them. To, that's a great starting piece for them to you know, really start getting back on the map and doing and playing football the way that they want to play. How about this? Matt Rule, Philly guy, you know, former coach at Temple. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. offensive, yep. offensive guy, known for what he is. Every Carolina pick mm-hmm. was defense in his first draft. Right, well, coach. yeah, if you look at what Carolina did during the, you know, free agent period, uh, free agent um Period. They actually went out and addressed all the needs on the offensive mm-hmm. side of the ball with yeah. you know Bridgewater. They brought in Robbie Anderson from the Jets. 
Um, you know, they still have Christian McCaffrey. They still have two pretty good wide receivers in Samuel and um, DJ Moore. So I think they feel pretty comfortable in offense, and especially since they gutted everybody from the defense. You know, it, the writing was on the wall that for this draft specifically, right. they were definitely going to go and draft all defense. Well, I agree. I think Brown is a beast, and you watch him play at Auburn. He's just an insane athlete to be able to move the way he does mm-hmm. at his size. Uh, I think that was a great pick. I also thought Simmons was a good pick for Arizona at eight, and maybe it was just their list of guys that they valued and who would be available. I don't necessarily think they needed to go lineman. That'd be the only other way to go is maybe address that tackle position, but you know their defense was pretty bad last year. Simmons runs like a 4-3 and can maybe be their version of Derwin James, so we'll see where he plays at the next level. It's a good problem to have. Uh, I thought Arizona did pretty well. Uh, in this draft here on the Money Mitch Effect with Anthony Germain talking NFL drafts. And we've reached that point, the number 10 pick, the Browns. And uh, I just I just want to let you – I want to hear you talk about how good the Browns drafted while I just sit and listen. <laughs> so I had Jedrick Wills from Alabama ranked as the number one tackle um, coming out of this year's class. Um I really, really thought that the Giants were going to take him at number four. And then I actually thought for a little bit, because maybe I was buying into a lot of the uh, smoke and mirrors before the draft, uh, that Miami was considering trading back, taking Andrew Thomas, and then you know using those draft picks to trade up and get to again. Um, but it didn't happen like that way, as you know. And the number one guy, I think, fell right into your lap at number 10, which is an absolute steal, I think, for the Browns. I mean, this guy is just a mauler on the line, man. And, and, and you know, what did Cleveland need the most? Offensive line, and especially a tackle. So, you know, if you, if you go back to last year, you know, the Browns have all this talent and Odell and Jarvis and Joku and the great running back, two great running backs, actually. And they couldn't do anything because mm-hmm. the line was Swiss cheese and there's a pressure on Baker and Baker's, you know, he's, he's athletic, but he's not, he's not athletic in the way to like, you know, run around like a Russell yeah. Wilson and dodge pressure like that. So he needs time. And I'll tell you what, this is, this is a great, great addition to give Baker time, you know? Yeah. Well, first of all, want to give credit to where credit's due. Uh, he was rocking the Canadian tuxedo, so props to him for his draft night <laughs> style. It was great. Uh, honestly, I love the pick. I, I thought don't do not do anything stupid. Keep it simple. Address the weakness. And I thought between him and honestly, even more than, uh, you know, e- even more than Taylor, I liked Worfs a lot. He Or Thomas, I should say. Mm-hmm. Worfs and Wills were my top two, not in any particular order. I just thought they were the two best. Glad we were able to come away mm-hmm. with one of them. They liked him, and, and we saw what he did at Alabama. He is a mauler. The tackle position was crazy because the Giants set the, set the table with their first pick at Thomas. Becton, the, the monster from Louisville with the largest family I've ever seen, went to the Jets at 11. You had Worfs at 13 uh-huh. go to the Bucks. And then you have the Dolphins, a little bit of a reach, Austin Jackson, because he's more of a project type. He I agree. So that's a lot of tackles. We saw a run of tackles like we haven't seen. Uh, add in uh, the mm-hmm. other Georgia guy, Isaiah Wilson, to the Titans at 29. That's a lot drafted in the first round. So were you surprised with how the dominoes fell, the order of how they played out, or maybe even, Anthony, the teams that decided to go tackle in that case? No, not at all, actually. Uh, the order, maybe a little bit, but, I mean, the difference between Thomas and, and Wills might be so, uh, you know, small that it, it might not matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I, 
from everything we were we were seeing here in Rita, and it seemed like there were going to be there was going to be a run on tackles, you know, early in this draft, and you know that's what happened. I was surprised that the Jets actually went with Becton over Worfs because yeah, that I'm was pretty uh, sure there were there. Yeah, there were a couple there were a couple reports coming out about him, his off the field issues, and then he's also a little too big from what I'm understanding where. He's susceptible to, you know, more injuries being six, seven, and 300. And, oh my God, this guy's like, I, I kept calling him the mountain. In His my, 357 in my, was what he was, 357 is what he was listed at. I got to get that scale. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, so, you know, that's a, that one was a little bit of a, of a head scratcher for me when, you know, all, when, you know, on the, op, on the other hand, Tristan Wirfs was, you know, all these glowing reviews. But I do know a couple a couple GMs thought of Worfs to be more of a guard than a tackle, so maybe the Jets, you know, were one of those teams thinking that way. Yeah, well, Tampa moving up. I mean, when they saw Worfs fall, they they went up one spot to make sure they got him, and and getting a player like that at thirteen to protect Brady is big for that Bucks team mm-hmm. that's trying to trying to improve. Uh, we're gonna get to before actually, you know what? Before we get to uh, some picks that I just did not like, I do want to. I think this is a good time to talk about the receivers, how the dominoes fell there. Tackle and receiver, mm-hmm. I think that's what this draft's going to be known about in, in greater depth. We saw all those tackles mm-hmm. get drafted. And how about, what, six first-round receivers drafted in this one? Just phenomenal stuff there. And uh, it started with it started with an Alabama receiver, but not Jerry Judy. The Raiders, in an ode to Al Davis, take Henry Ruggs at 12th overall. The first receiver taken. The fastest forty time in the four two range, and I'll just set the table. I deserve what I said. I did not. I made a little wager on what the order of the top three receivers was going to be. Didn't take rug seriously. Said Al Davis isn't alive, so we don't have to worry about it. And then the ghost of Al Davis just rubbed my face right in the trash. He put the cat in the wall for me, and I lost. Well, John Gruden is still alive, and John Gruden loves speed. Um, you know, I did two mocks on my website. My first one, I have Henry Ruggs being the first receiver taken off the board by the Las Vegas Raiders. But then I changed it, you know, stupidly to, I think, uh, Jerry Judy with the Broncos straight up getting them. But this pick doesn't surprise me at all. It's such a John Gruden pick. I mean, if you just go back to last year when he had Antonio Brown on the team, you watching Hard Knocks, you can just see it in his face. Like, Gruden was so giddy, so excited to have a little speedster on his team that he just can, like, build his offense around. And it didn't happen because the Antonio Brown circus, you know, everybody knows what happened with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but now he finally gets, you know, his version of Antonio Brown. He's got the speed, although I disagree with it because I do think when you have a team, this would, this is just my opinion, I'd rather have the physical big receiver first and then complement him with a speedy receiver later because I just think like more times than not, these speedy receivers have a tendency to bust. If rugs bust, then you're just left with a track runner. You know, and uh, yeah. I'd rather have like that, that big guy first that just dominates, like Julio Jones or that. I know they don't go on trees, but there's like Cortland Sutland and Denver oh. and those yeah. kind of guys, those like physical guys that will like go up and get the ball and then find the speed guys to compliment them with. Go back and watch all of his tape and you'll see Judy's the one being double teamed and covered in, uh, in bracket coverage. So I, I'm just, I'm worried about that. He's, he's never been the number mm-hmm. one since high school. So th- this is going to be different for him. 
the other receivers, you, you actually then nailed Judy with Denver. They didn't have to, to trade up to get him. They get him at 15. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's – in terms of value, it, it's hard to beat the value of getting a guy like that, in my opinion, at the 15th pick because you start to look, and now the Denver offense, which we've made fun of for a while for obvious reasons, you know, John Elway, mm-hmm. what's he doing? You know, he's starting to look more and more like the mascot each day. But now Drew Locke's got some. <laughs> now Drew Locke's got some toys. Sutlin, Judy, the running game's coming along. I mean, this this looks like a formidable offense all of a sudden. Yeah, and the reason I I had Judy going to Denver is because a couple weeks later, leading up to the draft, I kept seeing reports about John Elway was so enamored and so gushy over Jerry Judy, and I was like, oh man, they're he's going to do anything in his power to get this guy. And he, it turns out he didn't. You're right. He had to sit there at 15. He fell right into his lap. He gets his guy. He's happy. But the question is, yes, Denver's offense is looking good. It's looking a lot more formidable with Melvin Gordon back there. But is Drew Locke the guy? Because mm. to me, to me, yeah, he had a lot. He had some success there, you know, those last couple of weeks of last season. But he seems – I'm going to pull a Colin Cowherd here. He seems oh, a little oh, immature no. for me. And a, and a lot of times those guys that are a little immature and have early success won't put in the work as hard the following season. So I'm curious to see – you know, your boy Baker Mayfield kind of like that too. I like Baker though. But I'm just curious to yeah. see how Drew Locke responds with having a little success and feeling well, real confident going into this next season. And let's see how he does. Because if he flames out, this whole thing is, you know, canceled. I, yeah, it's a canceled. I think it's a fair point to make, but I think, and in the case of a guy like the next receiver we're going to get to in Dallas, when you're not sure, and there's varying levels of this, when you're not sure if a young quarterback's legit, how much you want to pay someone, I, I understand this is a tough decision and there's you know not an easy answer to it, but wouldn't getting weapons around them to take the excuses away be a good way to find out fast? I mean, because the worst thing oh, that could absolutely. happen would be if he has an average season, they don't address anything, and people are like, well, you know, he didn't have anyone to throw to. Well, maybe we got to run this back one more year. I feel like you're going to find out this year pretty quickly. Absolutely, and and here's a little nugget. Here's what I think is going to happen with Mr. Cam Newton. Uh-oh. I think he's going to go actually end up signing with the Denver Broncos Uh-oh. because if Drew, if Drew Locke flames out, then you could, you could put in big old Cam. You know John Elway loves those big quarterbacks. So slide Cam Newton r- right in there, and guess what? The team that uh, beat him, that, you know, the team that beat him in the uh, Super Bowl, Super Bowl 50, wow. you know, who knows? Maybe they'll go. Maybe they'll go to. He'll go to the Super Bowl as a Bronco. Oof, that would that would be something. Uh, Drew Locke. <laughs> I mean, they still have to get past the Chiefs first, but <laughs> yeah, let, let's not forget about Mr. Mahomes there for a second. Um, all right, all right, we got to get to this point in the draft because really things started to change a little bit. Real drama happened at about seventeen. That's when the Cowboys took C.D. Lamb, Oklahoma receiver, third taken, and that's where they went with C.D. Lamb. To the Cowboys, a lot to unpack here. The Cowboys, Anthony, take a receiver. They get someone as talented as Lamb. They don't address other needs, but also you are a Philadelphia Eagles fan. This was the guy a lot of people were targeting. A lot of rumors. Were they going to try to trade up? Lamb's falling. No deals made, and he goes to the dreaded Cowboys. So your initial reaction to the Cowboys pick and to the Eagles not deciding to pull the trigger and move up and get him. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction was I can't believe that the Cowboys actually spent their first-round pick on a wide receiver because they just paid Amari Cooper all that money. 
And from what we've seen, Michael Gallup is actually a reliable receiver and could be, you know, a budding stud in a, before our eyes. So it was shocking that they took CeeDee Lamb, but at the same time, it wasn't shocking because it's such a Jerry Jones thing to do. Like, Oklahoma wide receiver, the, the flash, the glory, all this stuff. But, like, just – and, and I knew they were going to pick them because, like, before they read the pick because if you just watch them on their yacht, just yucking it up and laughing like little girl, like a gaggle of little school girls. I was just like, I, I knew it wasn't a safety or a corner like they needed and everybody mocked them to get. So, you know, that kind of, you know, that, that kind of hurt as a fan. Um, Eagles not trading up, you know, two things went through my mind. One was either they couldn't trade up because the, if you think about it, the teams, the only team ahead of them that may, that may have been willing to trade would, would have been the Falcons, which were ahead of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Now, all the rumors with with the Falcons wanting to trade up. I'm not sure if the Falcons would have wanted to trade back to 21 when they need defense. Well, here, here's the thing. Um, I just I just want to jump in there. Uh, spoiler mm-hmm. alert: Atlanta had the worst pick in the first round for me. I watched AJ Terrell play a lot last year, and I didn't see mm-hmm. first round talent with this guy. Even the the bowl game, okay. both both bowl games in the playoff, he got absolutely shredded. So this pick and this draft in general from the Falcons wasn't very good for me. I think the Eagles could have traded up. They got a receiver in in Rieger that we'll see, you know, where he fits in, how he fits in. I know he's not very big, but he could be that all-purpose Swiss Army knife type. I just mm-hmm. the other point on yours, and yeah, Cowboys addressing Lamb, getting Lamb there is a is a maybe a, an embarrassment of riches now when they had other needs. But I just don't think this draft at this at this position was very heavy in corner and safety. You know, even uh, the Raiders pick of Arnett out of Ohio State, and I'm a, I'm a Buckeye fan, but this he wasn't as good. Like this wasn't a, a surefire first round pick. There weren't many safe, there weren't any other safeties going. So I feel like they looked at the board. So you, they weren't really sure that there was anybody else that could really help their defense. So they just said, "Why not?" So you think the the Falcons should have traded back with the Eagles then? I do because, and this isn't from the Philly perspective. This is looking at it from Atlanta's perspective. I don't think Terrell would have gone mm-hmm. anywhere near sixteen to twenty one. I think the Raiders wanted well, Arnett, and, and I just don't think A.J. Terrell was uh, somebody that was should have been drafted that high by any of these teams. I do think I read somewhere that Mike Mayock actually liked A.J. Terrell. Okay. Whether that's true or not, that may have been a reason why the Falcons went ahead and did that. But to your point, yes, that makes that makes more sense. But going back to my second thought was once the Eagles didn't pull the trigger to go off and trade for CD lamb was okay. Our wide receiver core is completely either old, weak, broken, depleted, whatever you want to call it. We're getting two wide receivers. So mm-hmm. I was like, that's fine. I can live with that. And you know, one of the other things they did in, in their draft, days of the draft weekend was uh you know acquire marquise goodwin i have a buddy another buddy that's an eagles fan and and he made it sound like it's just going to be come to camp and let's figure out who wants in who's good enough so they're taking the like you said advanced like numbers game we're gonna we're gonna take the receivers in the draft we're gonna trade for one we're gonna see what we have and we're gonna ship out whoever is there so that that's the approach. We'll get to the other Eagles draft pick that had everyone going in, in a second, but I do want to say some other things before we get to the last half of the last part of the first round. Is that uh, John Lynch? I think is a genius. I, I really have been impressed with what he's been able to do. Uh, the Kinlaw pick at fourteen. They trade Buck. They trade Buckner away because they can't really afford to pay him. They get thirteen. They move down to get to fourteen. 
and they take Javon Kinlaw, who I think could definitely be a rotational player in that defense. I think that was a great pick. And I really did like uh, the Chase on pick for Jacksonville. I thought that was a good value pick at 20. Again, it's not going to make them win any games this year. It probably didn't address their biggest needs on offense, but I thought those were pretty solid picks uh, for sure. Yeah, the 49ers taking Kinlaw actually was a little surprising for me. Um, I'm I'm almost confident that when they traded um, Buckner to the Colts for the number 13 overall pick, that they were 100% set on taking a wide receiver, and I think that wide receiver was Ruggs. They wanted to pair Ruggs with Debo Samuel. And then once Ruggs went off the board to the Raiders, I think they fell back and went to plan B, which was filling in the defense with Kinlaw. As far as Jacksonville goes... Yeah, Chase Hunt's a solid pick. They have a lot of they have a lot of needs to fill in the defense after gutting that whole thing out. Um, and again, you know, they don't go with Jordan Love or a quarterback in general. So again, they're totally retooling for the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes and just you know the future in general. I really thought Jacksonville, in my latest mock, was going to actually take one of the top three wide receivers with the with their first pick mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I I, I'm, I was. I thought about a theory where maybe Jacksonville wants to start building an offense like the Chiefs or like, you know, one of these high-flying offense like like the uh, Ravens because, you know, Jacksonville doesn't have many fans down in Florida and the NFL is trying to build a fan base in in London. So, you know, why not combine the two? Let's get, let's get a high-flying offense, show these London people what NFL football really is. Let's get them <laughs> excited. Let's, you know, pump in the crowd. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, you know. And then next year they have Trevor Lawrence, they have Jerry Judy, and now they got this crazy offense. And you know, before you know it, it's the uh, London Jaguars. Wow, that's like foolproof <laughs> business went, plan right there. I know. I they you know they should hire me on some of these boards here, but uh, you know they're they're they didn't do that. They they started to retool the defense, and you know they're kind of playing it safe here, which is fine if that you know that's what they want to do. But yeah, I like I like I like both their picks. Anthony Germain, Money Mitch Effect, talking more NFL draft. Uh, one thing I didn't mention before with the Eagles pick, were you surprised? Because we saw some other receivers. You mentioned uh, the Niners didn't go with receiver. They weren't able to get rugs. They get the Arizona State receiver. Uh, the Eagles didn't draft him. They didn't draft Jefferson either from LSU who was available. They went with Rieger. Uh, a couple more went in the first. Two more went first two picks of the second. Any thought process on and confusion on why they didn't go with one of the other bigger receivers um from an eagles from an eagles fans perspective i could tell you most fans you know most of my friends they really wanted justin jefferson yeah. you know basically from the production he put out in lsu um and he's a little bigger a little more physical um but it doesn't surprise me at all that the eagles front office went with a guy like Rager. i mean you look at Deshaun Jackson for the one game he played last year in, in you know against the Redskins in week one. He just completely shredded them. I think he had two touchdowns. I forget how many yards and why. But I think they just really – what the Eagles said, you know, going into this draft or just going into the free agency period was they want to get younger and they want to build through the draft. So how do you replace Deshaun Jackson? Jalen Rager. How do you, you know, they tried to replace Alshon Jeffrey in last year's draft by just drafting J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, but that didn't work out too well. So I, it doesn't surprise me with what they're doing through the draft. They're just trying to replace what they won with in the Super Bowl with youth. Yeah. So the regular, the regular pick isn't a, isn't a shocker. Well, Jefferson ended up going to Minnesota. Kirk Cousins getting an option there. Um, 
You know, mm-hmm. we saw the Niners get their receiver in Ayuk from uh, Arizona State. Some defensive picks throughout the end of the first round. A lot of linebackers taken. Queen, obviously, to the Ravens. Uh, the Dolphins at that 30th pick took the corner from Auburn. It's funny because they have, I think, the two highest paid corners uh, in football, two of the highest paid corners. You do need nickel corners mm-hmm. and a lot of coverage, so that was a good talent pick. But that's not what everybody's talking about in the first round. At the end of the first round, they're talking about Green Bay, which still hasn't drafted a first-round skill position during Aaron Rodgers' tenure. They take Jordan Love out of Utah State. Rodgers at that Brett Favre stage, that age of his career when he was taken in 2006. Mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers getting a quarterback in round one, Jordan Love, Green Bay. That was a shocker. Time's and, up. And the first <laughs> time's up. Are we allowed to say that? And, the, and then the first thing I thought was how <laughs> mad Aaron Rodgers was going to be. But it was interesting, and it got a lot of people talking. I, I, I thought this was a potential landing spot, but I couldn't believe it when his name was read. Yeah, this was this was the true shocker of the night, right? Like, Jordan Love going, I mean, how old Rodgers is, what, 36? 37 years old now he's 36 right? i believe i think he'll be 36 30. or just turn 36 yeah 36 right and i mean like this is i mean this everybody knows this this is what the packers did when breath Favre was still around they drafted rogers although you know they got him late in the draft as well rogers rode the bench for what three years as they groomed him mm-hmm. and you know the, the Favre saga went out as played but you know this is this is what the packers do so you know, maybe this is the the guy that they're they're going to groom, and they're good. they could take their time with him. Rogers probably has two, three solid years left. But I did read a tweet tonight. I'll read this because I actually have it up on my phone. Uh, it's funny, I still have this up. It says Bob McGuinn, who's reported on the Packers for four decades, suggests here their trade up for Jordan Love was a was a power move by Matt Lafleur, who has simply had enough of Rogers' act, and the Love pick would gain leverage with their imperial quarterback. Wow. Well, okay. first of all, like who does Rodgers get along with is what I want to know, because now we're at a point where everybody that interacts with this guy ends up getting on his bad side. So that's the first thing. And I feel like, yeah, and I feel like he got it from Brett Favre. Brett Favre was such a pain when he, you know, was trying to mentor or he wouldn't mentor Rodgers, right? Like Mm -hmm. these were all the reports. Like he was, he was just such a, a bleep. To, to Rogers, and you know, I wonder if Rogers picked up a lot of these traits from Flarm, and like now, like he sees somebody that might be taking his job. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if he reciprocates the, you know, the same treatment. Yeah, I think his game definitely has slipped a little bit. Now, him slipping a little bit is still at a very, very high level. And, and one good thing in Rogers' camp is that. Love is a project. Like this isn't a, there is a drop off from the other three, even Herbert, who I'm not as high on. This is going to take him sitting for at least two years, in my opinion. He hasn't really, you know, mm-hmm. his senior year was not that good. He made a lot of mistakes. He didn't play the competition necessarily that other college quarterbacks did. So this is going to take some time. This is going to be a, a, a grooming process. I understand that, but again, the counter to it would be: Why did you take this pick, a first round pick, to make that long term investment? So. Uh, we'll see. I mean, this is that. That's what that's what put life into the last final picks of the draft. We were waiting for him to go to a team like this, and that was uh, <laughs> that's what we wanted. The other pick in the first round, I just want to point out, one of my prop bets was no running backs taken in the first round. So the Chiefs naturally nat- naturally screw me at pick thirty two when uh, Edward Salier mm-hmm. goes, who will be a great weapon for uh, for Mahomes for sure. Um, but, oh man, uh, yeah. Andy Andy Reid, uh, he you know. 
this guy's measurables, Clyde Edwards, his measurables are Westbrook, better than Kareem right? Hunt and Westbrook. That's the comparison. That's, that's, what, uh, that's what. Yeah, Andy Reid said he's he's a he's a little better version of Westbrook. But when you compare his measurables, it's pretty close to Kareem Hunt. But he he his measurables are better, and we all know what Kareem Hunt did in the Kansas City offense. So if this guy can produce you know, anything on that level, and he's a little bit better of a receiver, this guy's going to be a stud at Kansas City's offense. is all of a sudden, like, super unfair again. Like, last season, like, their offense was already, like, ridiculously good, but you knew they kind of didn't have a running back. They kept, like, shuffling the board back there. Damian Williams and another D. Williams and another Thompson or whoever whoever it was McCoy. that day. But they weren't as good. Oh, yeah, and an old McCoy. They weren't as good as, like, what they had when Cream Hunt was there. So now with Clyde Edwards, uh, Polaire back there. I mean, this this offense is again unstoppable. So the Chiefs could possibly run it back. Not out of the question. Definitely not out of the question. Uh, another team. And wait, can they, I can I real yeah. quick just um, go ahead to, to set your your prop bet with no running backs? I actually thought two running backs would go because I I thought I thought it would be smart if the Giants took Tua, an offensive tackle, and then Jonathan Taylor. Oh. Why would you not just take the best running back there, a good offensive tackle, and the best quarter, one of the best quarterbacks in the draft, and then just just grow from that potential on the so, on, Just imagine that, like so trade Jackson up. tackle. Um, they wouldn't have had the trade up. Who they took the corner instead of Jonathan Taylor? Who was the corner they took? Oh wait, what team are you talking about? The Giants. The Dolphins. Oh, the Dolphins. I'm sorry. Dolphins at 30. I thought you said Giants. Yeah, that. Right. So instead of the okay. instead of the Dolphins taking a corner, because they already brought in a lot of people. They brought in Byron Jones from Dallas. They yeah. brought in a lot of defensive players. I was I would I think it would have been a better idea for them to draft Jonathan Taylor, who's going to be an absolute workhorse back there. Just have like because they got Austin Jackson from USC. They got Tua Tagovailoa, best quarterback mm-hmm. in the well, one of the best quarterbacks in the draft. And now you add Jonathan Taylor, and you have Delonte Parker still on the outside. You could probably get a receiver with your second pick there. And then now your offense is potent, and your defense was already pretty good last year under Flores. So now you're just now you're just slowly becoming juggernaut, and you go in the 2021 draft with two more first round picks. I know. Uh, it, it, that would have been interesting. I don't think there really was a consensus. The favorite actually was Swift, a slight favorite to go. He went, you know, as a second running back off the board, 35th to the Lions, Taylor to the Colts, mm-hmm. uh, my guy Dobbins to the Ravens, which infuriates me. Once every year, one of my favorite players from Ohio State will end up on the Ravens or Steelers. So, again, it, <laughs> glad, to see that, glad to see that tradition continue, especially when a team like the Rams passed on him. I think it's a good thing that we should do now to wrap this all up is talk about our favorite draft winners and losers all the way down. Uh, and, and starting with uh, maybe someone in the middle, Roger Goodell's draft. What do we what do we think about him going from uh, you know suit and tie, very professional, the Zoom calls with fans, to uh, you know disrobing, changing, sitting on his chair, and possibly having a uh, a flashback of some sorts, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, the only thing he was missing was a was a golden retriever to pet and smoking a pipe. Well, I didn't know if he was going to read me a Christmas story or, or read me the next draft picks at one point during the draft. He was really really comfortable sitting in that big comfy brown leather chair that wasn't even facing the television. 
He's like, this is my favorite. T- t- this is my favorite chair for watching football, and it was it wasn't even facing the television. Uh, he looked like he was. You know what? And I'm gonna I'm gonna actually say here, his approval rating with people with online media with Twitter was so low that nothing could really hurt him. This might have actually helped him because he was just he looked like a like a older guy middle-aged man that was just up all night and was breaking down. And you know what? We've all been there. We've all been, you know, up for a while and getting slap happy. And that was Roger Goodell Friday night rounds two through four. <laughs> yep. Yeah, man. It was, uh, it was actually, it was a really interesting side to see from him. We don't really get to see him talk. First of all, I've never heard him talk that much in my life. The um, virtual hugs were you great. Know, you know, <laughs> got all of those. The virtual hugs were good. Like usually he's just going up there, reading the picks, everybody boos him. He goes back, but, you know, he, he informed us about the draft returning to Las Vegas in 2022, even though I think he got the date wrong. It said 2020, he, yeah. He, yeah, he opened up nicely with the COVID-19 statement and, you know, the future of the NFL and, you know, what it's looking like to start the season on time. So he definitely he definitely showed a different side of him that we haven't seen, and that was nice to see. But I still think fans you know when things go back to normal it's just going to go back to the boo birds <laughs> oh yeah and i think uh, i was just like wow when did he change when, when did this happen he was just in different outfits uh, in between picks uh if this keeps going on yeah. maybe next year he just does a chore he's just doing random household duties as he's announcing these picks uh but it was certainly interesting yeah. Um, all right, we'll start actually before we get into it, we'll, 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 we'll play a little favoritism here. We'll talk about our teams first and uh, the Eagles I want to get to because the talk of their draft wasn't even Rieger. It was Jalen Hurts in the second round. You wrote a piece on your website Talking Sunday talking about why they might have done that, the positives to it. It was a really good piece. But I want to ask you from this perspective because I'm viewing, I'm viewing it in, in both senses as this was a need. Obviously, the Eagles want to have backup. I want to have a backup quarterback. That position is the most important position in football. You want to be prepared. Wentz has missed games. Not as many as people make out to believe, but still has missed games. The issue being, I think, a fair criticism, the pick being the second-round pick for a team that a lot of people within Philadelphia have even said had needs that should have been addressed there. So I think that's the fair criticism, going with a second-round mm-hmm. pick for Hertz and, and a pick that could have been used to address other weaknesses. Yeah, it's totally fair. And, I mean, Carson Wentz hasn't been able to stay healthy since 2015. I mean, it goes all the way back to college where, uh, you know, he broke his wrist and he was out for eight weeks. And then his rookie season, he broke a rib in in, a preseason game. And then he tore his ACL and then he had back spasms. And last year he got a concussion. So, and, you know, if if, if you're looking at it from an Eagles front office perspective, it makes a lot of sense. Every time Wentz has gone down, we've, we've needed a reliable backup quarterback to step in and do the job and look I mean look what happened in 2017 Nick Foles stepped in won a Super Bowl even 2018 when when Wentz was hurt uh Nick Foles came in won a playoff game against the Bears and and they came close to beating the Saints uh that year last year's uh similar situation but you know Josh McCown he's just a little too old he he tore his hamstring on a on a just a little scramble to the left um, so I think they, I think the Eagles as an organization value the backup quarterback position more than maybe some other teams do, especially when you have an injured or an oft injured quarterback. Was there anybody else that you would have wanted to take there in the moment, or were, were you know I don't yeah I don't have my second round uh, sheet up, but I know there were a few wide receivers left, and adding wide receivers was definitely the number one need, and. Like I said earlier, once they once they didn't once they decided to not trade up and get CD Lamb, 
I was like, okay, cool. We're totally getting two wide receivers, and I'm fine with that because by the time it gets to us, there'll probably be you know some good talent still there. So wide receiver was one. Um, I know a lot of people wanted a linebacker or a safety because we parted ways with Malcolm Jenkins. Um, but, you know, the, the Hurts pick, you know, everybody's instant reaction was, was shock and then freak out and angry. I was shocked. I kind of just laughed. There was nothing I could do about it. None of us could do about it. It was just kind of funny at that moment. And then I said, whatever, like, I'm good with it. Like, it makes sense. And if they use him like they use Taysom Hill, like I keep hearing that as well, and down in New Orleans, that's cool. But, you know, a lot of people are going to argue you don't waste a second-round pick on a gadget player. But what if, what if in a couple of years when Carson Wentz's contract expires and say Carson Wentz goes down with another injury or two, all this time Jalen Hurts is learning the speed of the game. He's been in the game a few times. He's, he's comfortable with it, and they like what they see. At that point, they might be able to either trade or part ways with Wentz if they don't want to, you know, shell out a huge contract to him, and they might be able to get Hurts, you know, still in his late 20s on a cheaper deal. And yeah. it's not the worst idea ever. So, or he's you know, or he's trade bait, and you could you know get something for him by a exactly. team that might want them. Uh, you know, I understand you got to address all the areas of your team, even backup quarterback. I thought the Eagles had a pretty good draft the rest of the way. It's funny the first two rounds. There's uh, obviously some uh, controversy, so to say, for the pick, some some uh, contentious debate. But the rest of the draft and some of their moves was pretty good. That's where a lot of these drafts and rosters really fill out. I felt similarly about the Browns. They drafted a ton of LSU players. Uh, I, I like mm-hmm. Delpit. You know, him and Winfield, I, was, I guess I was a little more partial to Winfield, but both of those were great players, and I'm glad they addressed that need, getting linebacker as well. And uh, I thought that was a solid, safe, smart draft, including in the late rounds when they drafted someone named after my grandfather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were telling me about that. That's pretty crazy. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's really funny. But it was a I, solid draft. I like. Yeah, I like the Browns draft a lot. Um, Delpit was at one point projected to go in the first round. Um, I don't think either of the safeties, uh, Xavier McKinney, didn't go in the first round either. I think, yeah, he went second to the Giants. Um, but Delpit at one point was a first round projection. So, you know, that's another phenomenal pick for you guys. I didn't realize going into the draft that the Browns actually needed a, a couple defensive pieces. I thought you guys were pretty set. Um, but, you know, you got Miles Garrett coming back. Now you have Delpit and. You know, with the additions to the offensive line, the Browns, the Browns are going to be there competing, especially with the uh, addition of the seventh playoff team. You never know. <laughs> yeah, we forgot about that. There's that extra playoff, that extra wild card. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just had to I really like what there. the Browns are doing. I, I, like the, uh, I like the GM that you guys brought in from the Eagles, Andrew Barry, and I like the coach, Stefanski. I know Stefanski. People give Stefanski a hard time for, you know, the play calling in Minnesota, especially when they played the Niners in the playoff game. But these are two smart. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, like, these are two smart guys. I think they're both from Harvard, right? I think so. Ivy League for sure. Um, I mean, that's not saying much about their football IQ, but they're, they're, you know, you would assume that they're they're two, you know, highly intelligent people. Well, they're on the same page. Yeah. And they're drafting the team mm-hmm. that they they're drafting their version of, of a winning team, which we'll see if it works, but it's good to just be on the same page and have a roster that, you know, makes sense that that this is like what their vision is, this is the pieces that fit that vision. We'll just see if it works now, which hasn't even been the case for this team for the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm looking at the rest of the drafts. What Who stands out to you for really knocking this draft out of the park? We mentioned some of the teams. I actually thought the Dolphins and the Cowboys had good drafts top to bottom. Who else really did a good job? Mm-hmm. I really like the Giants picks. Um, I, usually, I usually grade teams out from rounds one through three because, you know, just the Statistically speaking, once you get in rounds four, five, six, seven, those players don't really make the roster or, you know, the odds are against those guys. So if you're just looking strictly through rounds one through three, I would say the Giants had probably one of the best drafts in, in the yeah, league because Andrew Thomas really, really solidifies the spot on the offensive line like we discussed earlier. And then they go ahead and draft the safety, Xavier um, McKinney from Alabama, who's he's going to be huge against the run, you know, on the back end of the day, uh, back end of the defense and coverage. Um, you know, those are two big things that they needed. And these guys are these guys are high prospects, man. They're not just you know some scrubs that they just happen to pick up like a I don't I don't know like a uh, like some of these. Not, I, I shouldn't say scrubs like some of these guys. I'm, well, I think what I'm trying to say is like it's not like what we discussed earlier where like Jacksonville took like a C.J. Henderson that felt a bit of a reach. Like in this yeah. case, it felt like they got two quality like studs. You yeah, know, and they got this guy in the second round. So I liked what the Bengals did, not just Burrow, but T. Higgins going right receiver really mm-hmm. quick. I thought that was pretty good. Carolina, I did like we said. I like that defensive approach. And yeah, I think Baltimore had a good draft too. You know, Queen and then yeah, and, Ta- and how about and... Tampa? Yeah, and Tampa Bay. Right? Who was, yeah. Who was Tampa Bay's second receive, uh, second pick? The Bucks took. Hold on. Yeah. The Bucks took uh, Winfield. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. I mean, that's probably who I would have. You know, Delpit's good, but they went with Winfield right after. So they had two mm-hmm. high high quality guys, and that Kayshawn Vaughn for Vanderbilt. You know, he's not the top-tier running back, but he, he can catch passes, and he's going to play, you know, in that offense. So Right, and Tampa, and Tampa was able to and Tampa was able to fully draft for need because they are obviously making a Super Bowl push here. Like, those were the three positions that they needed. They needed yeah. a safety, they needed a tackle, and they needed a running back. And then, you know, they, they addressed all three. So I think they really hit it out of the park. Um, I wouldn't say Indy hit it out of the park, but I really like their first pick. I really, really – I'm really high on Jonathan Taylor. Um, and I like Michael Pittman a lot from USC. I think he's an underrated receiver coming into this coming into this draft. If you if you watch him, I mean, like, you know, I didn't really watch all USC games or anything, but if you just watch his, you know, highlight reel or whatever you want to do, this I mean, this guy can change direction and de- decelerates at a at a high rate. So I, I really like him as a sneaky wide receiver for the Colts. Yeah. You know, whether Philip Rivers will will be able to give it to him and, you know, turn back the clock a little bit. That's another thing, but I like yeah. those two picks for the Colts. Um, well, yeah, I, the, think we, the, I think we had – Colts also took Eason, so they added, like, that quarterback in the fourth round that maybe mm-hmm. could turn into something. You can kind of see what you have. Um, and I was yeah. just going to throw in my bold prediction for, like, some, some things that might happen. A team that didn't address the quarterback position in this draft was uh, the Patriots. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't shock me to see if they can kick the tires on bringing Brissett back. Just, just gonna throw that out there. Oh yeah, I could, I could see that happening. And in my article about uh, where it hurts, I actually wrote that I, that the Patriots may have had an inclination to draft Jalen Hurts with the whole Nick Saban connection and all that stuff. And then I think the Eagles may have gotten wind that the Patriots were looking into him, and that's that could be another reason for them selecting it. But. 
You know, um, yeah, that's Jacoby Prosecco on back, but yeah, I, I almost wonder if Bill Belichick is trying to just prove to the world that he does, he can win with you know the least amount of talent ever assembled on an NFL <laughs> roster <laughs> with his dog drafting for him too. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever it takes. It's funny because you know everybody else has those high tech draft rooms, and this is the greatest coach ever. And uh, he just got his dog yeah. hanging out and then, in the kitchen. And then one more one more team I liked um, was Buffalo. Um, Buffalo goes out, doesn't have a first round pick. They, I, I, I don't remember why they don't have a first round pick, but because they traded they, it for Dicks. Their... Oh, okay. So there yeah. you go. So their first round pick is Stefan Diggs. Their second round pick, they go out and get the Iowa the uh, Iowa Hawkeye defensive end AJ Epinesa. Oh, he's great. Yeah, that was a and great then, pick. Yeah, and this guy, I mean, like I'm telling you, I looked back in, in November at mock drafts because I'm a psychopath, and this guy was supposed to go in the top ten, and then he has a poor combine, and now he just sinks and sinks and sinks, and then he goes to a team where he doesn't even need to be a dominant player. He could no. be a nice rota- rotational player and still dominate. He's strong. He's he's not like super quick and athletic in that way, but he's really strong to bull rush. I think that's a great pickup, great fit for Buffalo. And then with mm. their third pick, which mm-hmm. I, which was still in the second round, they take Zach Moss, the Utah the uh, U, yeah, Utah, Utah Utes running, running back, back yeah. who's you know, I I actually like him a lot more than some other people do. Um but you know him paired with Devin Singletary, I, I I just you know Buffalo, I really like what Buffalo is doing up there, man. Like I think they're they improved tremendously on the offense. You already know their defense is going to bring the heat. So like I I, I think I got Buffalo wow. taking the AFC East. Ooh, and, look at that! I like yeah, it. Yeah, man. I don't even think it's I don't even think it's a question. I, I haven't seen their schedule yet, so we'll see what that is because they they did have a cupcake cupcake schedule last year, but. Yeah, we'll see. I like I like what they're doing up there. They're going to give you a reserve table to smash next year, saying all those kind of things about <laughs> Bills Mafia in Buffalo. But yeah, and from in the fifth Bills round, Mafia, too. baby, and from in the throw f- a table. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, all right, <laughs> we got to end with this: teams you didn't like, teams that really stunk up the draft. Uh, I mean, I think mm-hmm. I mentioned Atlanta. There's just. I I do not see good things happening for them this year. Don't really like what they did in this draft. Uh, and I guess you can always throw in Houston because you know they they gave away all their picks because they're idiots. Yeah, I would like to throw in the Bears. Um, what, you don't like just their tight tight end? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I just don't know what they're doing. Like they just who did they? They just they got rid of Trey Burton, but they signed was it Jimmy Graham? Yeah, it was Jimmy Graham, right? Yeah, uh, they signed Jimmy Graham, they got rid of Trey Burton, and then they drafted Cole Komet out of Notre Dame. Right, and then I think they drafted another tight end later. And then who was their second pick that they took? Uh, The Utah corner, Jalen Johnson. Uh, That's not a terrible pick, to be honest, but I just, it's just so No, you don't know what their identity is. That's the issue. Yeah, and with Matt Nagy and their their front office, it's just, that just seems like such a mess. That I would, if I was a fan, I would just wash my hands clean off. I'm just, <laughs> I don't get it. And then also another team, I think, kind of botched the draft is the LA Rams. Like again, they don't, they didn't have a first round pick. I get it, but with their first pick again, they take another running back. They did this last year when Todd Gurley, you know, had the knee issues. They took Darrell Henderson. Now they take Cam Akers out of Florida State. Like I get it. They want to probably you know, run the ball down people's throats again like they did with Todd Gurley. But, like, 
I mean, this team has so many needs at this point. Their whole defense got gutted as well, except for, I mean, all they have now is Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey. I mean, you know, can you name another player on the defense? Like, they right. could have addressed that, I think, with their first pick. Um, but just running back, yeah. it's just it's just weird. I don't know. I just I don't have a good feeling about the Rams. I don't have a good feeling about their new uniforms. I don't have a good <laughs> feeling about the season. I just, just I think they're going to be a mess. And even though the Chargers have less, less uh, fans, I think they're going to outshine them. All right, sign up for season tickets on that note. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, I'd throw in two other teams. Pittsburgh, I know they gave away the first for Fitzpatrick, who worked out, but you know didn't really mm-hmm. seem like they had a lot of play in, in, in the later rounds. And I mean, Green Bay was the other one because it took A.J. Dillon as the, uh, the that running back position in the second round. Mm-hmm. I think it was yeah late second round. Jordan Love first. This is a team that I didn't think got much better. They make the you know conference championship game, and they're making picks mm-hmm. that I think a team would do planning for the long term. It was a little confusing there. So they'll be the two that I would add. But um, it's early. We got to see how how this all shakes out and how you know these teams and these rookies actually play. Yeah. Yep. All right, yeah, man. it was a good draft overall. Again, not not too many shockers, but uh, man, it it really it really filled some time that we all needed in it, the uh, sporting world. So it, it did. It accomplished a lot of goals. It made us love football even more. We experienced something different, and I think I could speak for you. Now I want to go to an EDM festival with Roger Goodell. <laughs> Let me know how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a great experience at first, but I think he'll loosen up to it. Uh, Anthony Germain <laughs> talking Sunday. You, you buy the tickets. <laughs> you buy the tickets. I'll go with you. <laughs> okay. All right. I think we got that set in stone now. Uh, Anthony Germain, you can catch him on Talking Sunday where he has that piece on Wentz and Hurts fitting in with the Eagles. Good stuff covering the draft. And, uh, yeah, we got some uh, some pieces to look forward to, I'm sure, on that site. Yeah, man, I'm trying to, you know, put out as much content as possible. It's been a little, it's been a little easier with the, uh, the downtime here. So looking forward to it. Um, hoping to gain a little bit of steam, hopefully. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, you know, maybe I'll make another appearance or two on the uh, Money Mitch effect. Hope so, man. And I don't know if uh, this, that's like our longest tradition next to, uh, I don't know if there's even any big wangs still open, but you know, if there is football again, you know, (laughs) catch some games at the the 9am, 10 o'clock slate and uh, yeah, just see what happens. Get real weird with it. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. All right. Anthony Germain, Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again for coming on. Check out his stuff on Talking Sunday and uh, yeah, appreciate you coming on Talking Draft. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Mitch. And that's going to do it for this week's show. Big thanks again to Anthony Germain. And remember to check out his website, Talking Sunday, for all your football needs, a lot of post-draft commentary, as well as other pieces to get you ready for football season. When it's uh, Hopefully it's going to be starting on time, but uh, you got to pay attention to that. And everybody stay safe out there. Remember, you can catch all the episodes of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Check out The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page and follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. This was the Money Mitch Effect. We'll try to come back next week for a UFC preview because we're about 10 days or so away from another UFC fight. Going to get that uh, 
249 card, I believe, at May 9th. So we'll be breaking that down for you in detail. Ferguson's fight and Gaethje should be a lot of fun. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Until next time, keep enjoying sports.